be in Romans 10, and we'll get there in a few minutes. Romans chapter 10, and in the past, I've, I've kind of focused, once we hit December, all on Christmas, and I'm not going to do that this year. Uh, we'll look at it on the 15th and on the 22nd, uh, talk about more Christmas-specific things uh, then. But uh, it all ties into Christmas if you're talking about the Lord. But uh, nonetheless, uh, Romans 10 today, I'd like to talk to us about evangelizing. And uh, we'll explain all that in just a moment. But evangelizing. And Romans 10 will be our, our launching point in just a moment. I uh, hope you had a good Thanksgiving. Good to see you. As you can see, some in the church partied harder than others. That's why they're not here today. Uh, but uh, the, <laughs> uh, I'm glad that you could be here today, and I'm glad that you got to spend time with family and, uh, and hopefully had a good uh, Thanksgiving. We did. Our kids uh, will be back later today, and um, we had a great time just uh, getting together with family again and, and, uh, and eating and fellowshipping and all of those kinds of things as well. Uh, hopefully, if you went shopping, you got a good deal, and if you didn't get go shopping, then hopefully you got some extra rest uh, than the rest of everybody else. Uh, it is neat nowadays that you can... I did my Black Friday shopping online, uh, sitting on a couch uh, in a normal hour. So, <laughs> so everything is, is transitioning over to online. Even the Black Friday stuff is now starting to transition, uh, which I like. I'm happy about uh, very much so, uh, but nonetheless... Here we are. Uh, I want to talk to us about evangelizing today and, and the idea of, of sharing the gospel with those around us and look at some Bible specifics when it comes uh, to evangelizing. And, uh, and let's, we'll read Romans 10, verse number 17, and then we're going to come back to it in just a few minutes. Uh, but let's start there today. Romans 10, verse 17, So then faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. So then faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by... The Word of God. That means that uh, in order for people to, uh, uh, to understand their need for salvation, they have to be evangelized. They need someone to come and tell them about Jesus. And if no one tells them, how will they hear? How will they hear without a preacher, the Bible says? And that doesn't mean a pastor. It means someone who's proclaiming. How will they hear unless someone tells them? Faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the most important thing, the Word of God. Not by opinion and not by science and not by um, uh, anything else, but by the Word of God. The Word of God brings the necessary uh, knowledge, the necessary information, and the necessary uh, um, uh, things that people need so that they can place their faith in Christ. And so we'll talk about that uh, today. Lord, help us, I do pray. Uh, I believe we would all agree that we could do more um, with the gospel and for the gospel. And Lord, I pray that today you would encourage us. Uh, I pray that today you would challenge us. And I pray today that you would motivate us to evangelize more uh, in the coming days, weeks, months, and years. Uh, help me as I uh, present these verses that I would do them clearly and that I would do them correctly, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. I grew up at the ministry to the Bill Rice Ranch, a Christian camp that was run by evangelists. And, uh, and it can get a little touchy when you start talking about evangelists, around evangelists. 
Uh, they all have uh, their idea of what it is that evangelists do, and, and it's all similar. Uh, but there are those who would say there's no such thing as an evangelist. The evangelists in the Bible were missionaries. I disagree with that, um, and so do my evangelist friends disagree with that greatly as well. I believe that we don't use the word missionary in the Bible, uh, but uh, uh, the idea of a missionary and evangelist, they do similar things. But uh, typically, a missionary is more involved in church planting and uh, establishing churches and seeing uh, locals, uh, wherever they're planting the churches, take over those churches and continue forward. And that's just a general uh, description. There's other, other areas of missions as well. And then evangelists uh, are more of those that come alongside and assist the church and help the church for an amount of time and then go on to the next church and, and help establish churches already, uh, and going through and helping and ministering and encouraging and challenging and all those kinds of things as well. Uh, but the word evangelize is the idea of simply sharing the gospel. Um, we can all be, you know, you've heard it before if you've been in church for any amount of time, that we're all missionaries, and we all have our mission field, and we go out, as soon as we walk out the door, we enter the mission field, um, which is true. Uh, but I, we should all be evangelists as well, in the sense that we should all be assisting a church with the gospel and going forth and presenting the gospel. But evangelizing specifically, uh, talking about sharing the gospel, and there's two ways that we do that. The first way we do that is by word. We evangelize by word, by sharing the gospel. Mark 16, verse 15 says, And he said unto them, Go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. This was not a, a, uh, an instruction given to a pastor. It was not an instruction given to a missionary. It was not an instruction given to a God-called preacher. It was instruction given uh, specifically to the disciples and then given to us going forward, the church moving forward to go into the world and preach the gospel to every creature. So we do that by word. We also evangelize by action. The way that we live, our testimony, our, uh, the, 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 our actions that we do in our life. Matthew 5.16 says, Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. So, so evangelizing, sharing the gospel, it needs to be done by word and by action. Not by word or by action, but by word and by action. So there's two things that, that we can, two ways that we can share the gospel. Uh, one way is, is speaking it, the other way is living it. The way that we live, people see. God tells us, and it's not just in this, it's also in James, and uh, uh, there's other passages as well that I should have written down, but uh, the, uh, the way that we live does bring forth a testimony of the gospel. Uh, as it says in Matthew 5, let your light so shine before men. Why? That they may see your good works and glorify your God in heaven. We cannot claim to be a presenter of the gospel and live a life that is anti-gospel. If we live a life that is, that is characterized by sin, that when our neighbors or our co-workers or our family members see us, all they think about is the sins that we commit on a regular basis. We cannot present the gospel in our life that way. We, the, 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 our co-workers and our neighbors and our family members, they see our actions. So the way that we love people, the way that we interact with people, the way that we respond to people, the way that we just simply live our lives can be a testament of the gospel. Uh, again, we have this, um, this wrong attitude uh, rampant in Christianity today whereof uh, um, because I am saved, I must be so brutally angry at the sin of the world 
that I talk down to people and I yell at them and I, and I threaten them with God's anger and those kinds of things. And it's, a, it's not the way God intended it. There were times, if you read through the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, you'll see times where Christ got a little bit more animated, right? He walks into the temple and they're sitting there selling and trading and all these kinds of things and He throws over the tables. Why? Because of His disgust, but, but it's, it's much more than that. Because it wasn't a loss of temper. It wasn't a, a time where Christ just lost it. That wasn't it. it Christ didn't just lose it, okay? Uh, but He was angered by the misuse of what God had established as a place of worship and a place of learning of God. It was now being misused. And that angers God, and it still does to this day. So Christ, in that moment, had what we would call, and what I believe Christ would call, righteous anger. But when you talk about Christ dealing with sinners, what do you see? You see calm, you see compassionate, and you see loving. When Christ dealt with the woman at the well, she was a woman of of ill reputation. She didn't have a good reputation. She had a life that was characterized by sin. Yet you didn't see Christ... Uh, yelling at her about her sin. He did call her out on it, but he did it in a compassionate, calm way. A soft answer turneth away wrath. And Christ uh, exemplified that for us in the Scriptures. Uh, Christ, in dealing with the Pharisees, who were wicked people, Christ consistently dealt with them calmly, not yelling at them about their sin. He called them out on it. He confronted them on it. But it was in a way that was I was going to say Christ-like. Well, he was Christ. Uh, It was an example for us on how to deal with people. And so the way that we live, the actions that we do, we have people in our workplace, at least I do, that live consistently in sin. And when they talk about it, I don't go, oh, yeah, it's okay. You believe what you believe. I believe what I believe. No, I have no problem with telling them, well, I think the Bible teaches us that's wrong. And, uh, and, and at times, here's where the Bible tells us that it's wrong. And uh, when the opportunities arise... When our family members are doing things that are, that are wrong, we still love our family members. We don't cut them off or shun them and not talk to them anymore because of their sin. No, we, we, we still love them and we still let them know in a loving way that we cannot agree with you in this because it is against the Bible. It is wrong. You see, I cannot yell at someone and then expect them to go, oh, yeah, he's right. If you've learned anything from politics in the recent decade, you'll learn that yelling at someone doesn't change their mind of anything. (laughs) If anything, it makes them more steadfast in what they believe. And so we see that by action, by our attitudes, by our our good works, the gospel can be presented, but but more uh, uh, effectively through our word as well. Those two things coupled together, word and action, can present the gospel. Why should we evangelize? Romans 10, 17 tells us that faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the Word of God. That's the importance of evangelizing, is so that people can hear what Christ did for them. Um, let's look at uh, really two things this, this morning, and we're done. Uh, it's not a good Baptist sermon. It's only two points instead of three today. And so, uh, call us what you will. Uh, number one, we need to know what is our tool for evangelizing. God does never tell us to do something without giving us what we need to accomplish it. Um, in Matthew, in the Great Commission, God says, go forth, right, and, and, and teach the gospel to every, to every nation. But he says that 
uh, at the beginning of that, all power is given to me. And then at the end or towards the end of the Great Commission, he says, and I will be with you always. And so God never tells us to do something without giving us what we need. So God says, go into the world uh, and, and preach to, to the, the gospel to every creature. Well, he, he gives us what we need to do that, and that is the gospel itself. Turn with me to 1 Corinthians 15. This is the Bible verses that define the gospel. 1 Corinthians 15. If someone asks, what is the gospel? This is it. Uh, the, the, given to us clear as day here in the Bible in the first four verses of 1 Corinthians 15. Moreover, brethren, I declare unto you the gospel which I preached unto you, which also ye have received, and wherein ye stand, by which also ye are saved, if ye keep in memory what I have preached unto you, unless ye, believe, unless ye have believed in vain. So now what is the gospel that he preached unto them? Verse 3, 4, I have delivered unto you first of all that which I also received, how that Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures, and that He was buried, and that He rose again the third day according to the Scriptures. That's the Gospel. It's defined for us here. Uh, the three important aspects of the Gospel. Christ died for our sins, He was buried, and He rose again. That's the simplest form of the Gospel that we can find in the Scriptures. Um, and then we see the Gospel used. Turn back to Romans chapter 1. The tools for evangelism is the gospel. And so we got to know what the gospel is. Christ died, he was buried, he rose again. Not just that Christ died, but he died for our sins, and then he was buried, and then he rose again. In Romans 1, verse 16, the Bible, a familiar verse for most, it says, For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. So the gospel is the power of God unto salvation. All right, so that's the tool that we have, the power of God unto salvation, that Christ died for our sins, He was buried, and that He rose again. Any of those three aspects, if they did not happen, would not have fulfilled Scripture and, and would have left something missing, right? Had Christ not died for our sins, the penalty would not have been paid. Uh, had He not been buried, had He not been dead, uh, then, then the penalty would not have been paid. And had He not risen again, then He would have stayed dead and what good would that have done? Uh, and so, uh, and important here in Romans, uh, where Paul is speaking and given to us through the inspiration of Christ, he says, I'm not ashamed of that gospel, meaning I'm going to proclaim that gospel, meaning I'm going to live that gospel, meaning that it is going to be my life's mission uh, to further that gospel. And we see it in Paul's life throughout Scripture, throughout the New Testament. We see the transformation that God did in Paul's life. Uh, from going to a, 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 a hater of Christ, a persecutor of Christians, and, and then ultimately transformed through the salvation of God into now a proclaimer of Christ. And we see the, the activity. Paul spent the rest of his life traveling uh, uh, and, and, and investing in churches and investing in communities and, and sharing the gospel everywhere he went with everyone he came across to from the highest of politicians to the lowest of, of society, Paul consistently lived his life proving he was not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. No Christian I've ever met would ever admit to being ashamed of the gospel. But most of the Christians I've met lived their life 
saying that they were ashamed. The way that they lived said they were ashamed of the gospel of Christ because they didn't want to share it with anybody. When a co-worker had sinned and came to them and asked them, uh, what do you think about this? Uh, as opposed to sharing the gospel, there was the shame that came and instead uh, didn't want to confront or didn't want to uh, um, uh, have that uncomfortable conversation of, no, what you're doing is wrong. Because I'm telling you, there's nothing comfortable about telling someone what you're doing is wrong, especially adult to adult, right? It's easier a, a parent to a child, but when you're talking about a coworker, sometimes even a boss, and you have to have that confrontation of, hey, this is wrong. This is, not, this is not good. Sometimes to a parent, sometimes to a grandparent, sometimes to a sibling. It's a very uncomfortable conversation to have. Yet, Paul said, I'm not ashamed of the gospel, and therefore I'm going to live like I'm not ashamed of the gospel. And Christians ought to be as Paul was. And Paul even says to a, to a church later on that if you'll just follow my example, and he wasn't being prideful in that. But he said, I've lived so that you can, so that you can see how you're supposed to live. And if you'll follow what I've give, the example that I've given you, then it, you'll, you'll be doing right. And Paul has given us an example, and God has given us Paul as an example, and more importantly, he's given us Christ as the example. But we see Paul's evangelistic efforts, his evangelizing the world that he lived in consistently with the tools that God gave him and the one tool that we all need, the gospel. Why is that tool important? Well, number one, it is part of God's Word. It's what God has given us to go out and do. It is exactly the reason Christ came to earth that we celebrate Christmas is because Christ came to this earth for the purpose of dying and being buried and rising again so that we can have victory over sin, over death, and over the grave. So our tool is the gospel when we evangelize. And then number two, and lastly today, I say that it's not going to be over quite that quick, uh, but uh, why do we evangelize? Why do we evangelize? Why should we go out and share the gospel by word and by action? Well, the easiest way to get to that point is because we're told to. If we believe the Bible is what it is, God's Word, and we believe that the Bible is true, and we believe that we're supposed to obey and follow God's Word, then we're going to evangelize. Matthew 28, verse 19, In the Great Commission, Go ye therefore and teach all nations. In Mark, which we've already read, 16, verse 15, Go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. So there's a few important aspects in this command. The first one is go. <laughs> the first one is actually do it. Go ye. Uh, get out and evangelize. Share the gospel with people. How do we do that? Well, number one, we've got we to know the gospel, right? We've got to know what the gospel is. Uh, number two, we've got to know how it has helped us personally, the impact the gospel has made on us personally, and then we have to go out and share it with other people. Go ye, therefore, and teach all nations. Go ye into the world and preach the gospel to every creature. The Bible is, uh, um, and God is, not, um, He's not as we are in the sense that we view people as unworthy. We view people as, well, they're too far gone. We view people as, they're too scary. Or I don't understand them. Or they don't look like me. I, I hate to burst 
anybody's bubble, but Jesus didn't really look like me. Uh, we get into this, and oftentimes it's buried deep inside where it's not a, um, an active racism. It's not a, something on the top of our head as, as, as racism. But oftentimes we have this, uh, in, uh, this feeling within us that I can't go talk to that person because they don't look like me. Uh, it's a fear that we have. The spirit of fear is not from God. The fear that we have of men is not given to us by God. God is a God of love. And God desires that we love every human being. And God desires that we share with every human being the gospel that someone shared with us. And we have to understand that the Bible tells us, number one, to go. And number two, it tells us to go to everybody. I'm thankful that we have missionaries that are, uh, that, that are in other parts of the country that, that we, we just don't have the time in our lives to get to. You think of Paul's travel, it was harder for Paul to travel than it is for us today. Um, but you think of Paul's travel and the consistentness of his travel, you don't read about Paul's children. Uh, you, don't, you don't see that, right? Uh, and and what you see what you do see of Paul is this, this constant on the move, sharing the gospel with as many people as he can, helping churches so that they can go out and share the gospel with many, as many people as they can. And Paul would come back around and say, hey, there's a problem in your church. This is the sin that's in your church. You've got to get rid of it. You've got to clean it out because you're not helping anybody. You're not getting the gospel out because of the sin or the striving and the fighting and the, the disagreeances or the wrong doctrine or whatever it is. And you've got to get it out of your church so that we can get back to work. And sadly today, there's too many churches today that aren't trying to get back to work. We're out of commission. We are more of a fellowship than we are an actual church doing what God desires for us to do, which is getting out and sharing the gospel with every creature, with all nations. It's my desire that one day our church will be a church of many nations, maybe many languages. I'd like us to be one church, but I'd like us to be reaching people that are different than us because that's part of the command that God has given us. He says in Romans 1.16 that to the Jew first and also to the Greek, they'd obviously started out with just the Jews, God's chosen people, God's children uh, that we read about in the Old Testament and we're studying through in Zechariah right now is dealing with that as well. And we, and we come to this point where, where God then opened the door for the Gentiles also. And we see that this, this importance of gospel being presented... Uh, we have to include the presentation of the gospel as we think of all people. Don't forget about the people next to you. Sometimes we get focused in on evangelizing that we go global and we ignore the people that we see every day. Because we're thinking, well, we've got to reach China and we've got to reach Slovenia and we've got to reach London and we've got to reach Suriname and we've got to reach all these places and it's going to be really hard to do and we've got to help get missionaries to this, these uttermost parts of the world. But we oftentimes forget about the co-workers that we work with literally every day, or our family members that we love more than anything else. It is our responsibility to go and to teach and to preach the gospel. Why do we evangelize? It's because we're commanded. Uh, also, why do we evangelize? It's because we're able. The most common excuse given by a Christian is that I don't know how or I'm just too shy. 
you are able to share the gospel. And one reason why you can remember, remind yourself of this is because it's not about you. In Romans 1.16, I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. It, it has nothing to do with you. It has everything to do with the gospel. You don't have to do anything but share it. And let God and His Word do the work in the hearts of people. When we have this uh, weight on our shoulder of, I have to say this perfectly, and I have to convince this person of their need for salvation, what we then is begin to give credit to ourselves. Well, I finally presented it clearly enough. Well, I finally persuaded them of their need for salvation. I was always taught, and I'm thankful for this, that it's our job to give the gospel, and it's God's job to change people. And we get into this mindset of, well, I can't share the gospel because I don't know how. I can't share the gospel because I'm too shy. I can't share the gospel because of... And we, it is easy to come up with an excuse to not share the gospel. I'll give you two simple ways to share the gospel. Number one is share your testimony. How were you saved? That's the easiest way, I think, to share the gospel. Is to explain to people how you got saved. How you came to understand that and know that Jesus Christ died for your sins and He was buried and He rose again. And you share with that, that is the gospel, is it not? It's not Bible verse to say, to, to give your testimony necessarily. You, you can put Bible verses in it. But uh, if you just share with other people how you got saved. That's the gospel. The gospel saved you, and now you share that with other people. Another way is to always carry tracks with you. It's got the gospel on it, right on the back. I don't have one up here. I used to, but uh, it's got the gospel right on the back of it. And you carry it around with you, and you can pass them out to people, which is good. But if you're talking to someone, you can pull that track out. And you can just literally read it. <laughs> read it to them. It's Bible verses. This is the gospel. It's good to... Um, my dad does this with a lot of people. Take a track. And he'll go to a coworker or someone that he sees regularly. And he'll hand them a track and he'll say, um, as, he's, as he's leaving, here's a track. Uh, I would like for you to read this. And it, uh, sometimes he'll tell them, it'll tell you how you can get to heaven, or sometimes he just leaves it with them. And then he'll come back a week later, and he'll say, hey, did you ever read that, 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 that pamphlet I left you? And if they say, oh, no, no, I didn't have time, and, or oh, I lost it, or whatever, he pulls out another one. And I says, here's another one. i really like for you to read this. And he'll follow up until they finally told him, yes, I read it. And when they say, I've read it, he says, what would you think about it? Do you have any questions about what you read? Do you have some, a couple minutes where I can kind of go through it with you? And my dad has been able to, to present the gospel and see people get saved as a result of just simply handing them a, a, a pamphlet, a tract, and, and following up with it. Because oftentimes we'll, we'll pass them out like candy, and then we'll never do anything to follow up. And sometimes we can't because it's strangers that we're giving it to. But again, we have people in our lives that need the gospel that we see on a regular basis. And it's simple to say, hey, here's something 
I'll sure like for you to read it. It changed my life. And just leave it at that, but then come back a couple days later or on a phone call. Hey, were you able to read that? And you keep doing that until they actually read it. And then, and then you ask them, you have any questions? Can I come go through it with you and show you how it changed my life? And hopefully they've seen the change in your life. If they've known you for a long time and you got saved after they'd known you, then, then maybe they've seen the change and it's really simple. For me, I was saved as a kid. I didn't grow up here. Everybody I've met here didn't know me. Uh, uh, I've, uh, to much people's surprise, I've matured a lot. Uh, since I've moved here and before you all met me, um, I've, I've grown, grown a lot. Uh, so you know, we had friends from college come and they, they see me and know me now and, and they can see a difference. I, I was saved before then, but, uh, but my, my, my fellowship with Christ is different now than it was back then. My obedience to Christ is different now than it was back then. And so they see changes. And it's your faithfulness. Even so, even if they weren't around to see the change, they are around to see your faithfulness now to how you live for God and how you obey. And you have opportunities just with your personal life and the things that are very simple to you. Um, you have these things that you can pass out. We've got the John Romans here at the church um, <clears throat> that we passed out originally when we started the church. And in those, in those pamphlets, it's just the book of John and the book of Romans, they have um, verses underlined with a number beside it. And at the opening, in the beginning of the book, it says, uh, start with page whatever. I don't know what page it is. It's Romans 3.23. And they get there, and Romans 3.23 is underlined. And then next to it, it has a note of where to go to the next verse. And it walks them through what we call the Romans road, the plan of salvation. For all of sin and come short of the glory of God. For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our love. For God commendeth His love toward us, and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. And then it goes to Romans 10 and goes through, For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. And there's a few other verses there as well. And just those four passages present the, the salvation, present the gospel to them. And then there's another four or five passages after that that help if they do uh, understand their need for salvation. They do place their faith in, in God's grace and to save us, and to save them. Then it goes forward in that how they can, uh, there's some assurance verses and some different things in there like that. It's helpful verses. All right. Um, those kind of tools that, that you have at your fingertips. I mean, you just ask. I'll give you a handful of them. Um, those kinds of things. And you have your own Bible. That you, you should already know this, and, and if you don't, write it down. Mark them in your Bible. Do the same thing. I, the Bible I had um, through high school, I had the same thing before I even knew John and Romans existed. I had the same thing in my Bible. I had them, the verses highlighted, and then right next to it I had what passage I was supposed to go to from there because I wasn't smart enough to remember. And so I'd have in Romans 3.23, I knew how to get there, right? That, that one was simple for me to remember. For all sin and come short of the glory of God, that's where we've got to start. So I get there, and then I had it un, uh, highlighted in my Bible, and next to it in the, in the side of my Bible, I had Romans 6.23 next to it. So then I go to Romans 6.23. I had that one highlighted next to that one, Romans 5.8. And then highlighted next to that, Romans 10. And I'd go through, and so if I had the opportunity, um, I could just follow that through in my Bible and get to where I needed to go. But you know what? You don't have to have a Bible in your hand to share with someone the gospel. It's helpful, and nowadays you can because you forget to get your phone with you. And that actually makes it even easier because you don't have to flip through pages and things like that. But you see, it, it comes back to the knowing the gospel so that you can present the gospel. You have the tools available to you. You are commanded to do so, and you are able to do so no matter how much you want to claim you're not. 
you are able. Some people say, well, I've got too much sin in my past. Again, I go back to Paul. <laughs> no, you don't. If God has forgiven you of your sin, you don't have any sin in your past that's going to keep you from God using you. You are able. Number three, why do we evangelize? We are commanded. Number two, we are able. Number three, because we have something others need. That's a big reason why Christians don't present the Gospels because they don't understand how great the need is. We'll have people like the Grastis come in and tell us 0.01% of Slovenia has, has been given the Gospel. That's a really low percentage if you didn't know. There's a great need in Slovenia for the Gospel. We have people like the Tolsons that come in and say the Gospel is not allowed in this country one of the largest countries in the world, most populated countries in the world, and the gospel is not allowed there. There's a need. We can look at Suriname and the great uh, um, infiltration that other wrong, false doctrines have there, and there's a need there. We can look at London. It's the same thing with the amount of, of variety that is in London and the amount of uh, different cultures and different religions that are there and a great need for the gospel. And yet, we don't realize that even though there's close to 1,200 churches in Lexington, there is a massive need for the gospel here. You would know that if you'll just ask somebody. What do you know about God? What do you know about heaven? You're going to get some answers very quickly. You're going to realize, wow, there is a massive need for the gospel in my workplace. You probably know better than anyone else but in your family the, the need that is there for the gospel. With your neighbors in your neighborhood, uh, the need that is there for the gospel, it is, it is amazingly huge. So we've got something that they need. How will they hear without a preacher? If faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God, I need to make sure that my co-workers hear the Word of God. I need to make sure that my family members hear the Word of God. I have been blessed that someone in my life loved me enough to share with me the Gospel. You have been blessed that someone in your life loved you enough to share with you the Gospel. Now go out and love people enough and share with them the Gospel. It needs to be a priority. Turn with me to Acts chapter 20. <clears throat> Acts chapter 20 and verse 24, and we're done after this. Evangelizing, sharing the gospel ought to be a priority in your life. Acts chapter 20, look in verse 24. But none of these things move me, neither count I my life dear unto myself, so that I might finish my course with joy and the ministry which I have received of the Lord Jesus to testify the gospel of the grace of God. None of these things. Nothing else in life. No experience in our life. Nothing that is in our life currently will give us more joy than following God, doing what He's told us to do, and presenting the gospel to every creature. And it ought to be a priority. It ought to be something that is a part of our everyday. 
Sometimes sharing the gospel, it takes time. When people we have relationships with, co-workers, sometimes it is instant, but oftentimes it, it takes time. I don't know about you, but at work, I only have so much time with my co-workers because I work alone most of the day. But I've got a little bit of time to build relationships to let them see who I am. Because they all know preachers that they don't have any confidence in. They all know Christians. And in my workplace, it's... This is being recorded. (laughs) It is important that it is a priority that we share the gospel. It doesn't have to be a one-and-done instance. Well, I shared the gospel with them, so that's it. My hands are clean now. I don't have to worry about that anymore. Well, I gave them a gospel track, so that's that's all I got to do. If it's a priority, you will continue to build that relationship. You will continue to share the gospel. There are stories after stories after stories of people who prayed and shared the gospel, and prayed and shared the gospel, and prayed and shared the gospel with parents, with children, with co-workers, with neighbors. And for years, 10, 20, 30, 40 years, those people consistently rejected, rejected, rejected. But lovingly, the people were faithful and prioritized, I'm going to share the gospel. And finally, God melted their heart. God changed their lives. But that only happens through the faithfulness of God's people obeying what God has demanded from us. Make it a priority. Often we make it a responsibility to check off our list. Okay, I passed out a track. I'm good for this month. Okay, I invited a person to church. I'm good for this year. All right, I, I, I shared the gospel, kind of, with this person. Whew, I'm glad that's over. That's not a priority. That might be the early steps of it, because if we've not done it consistently before, it's going to take some time for us to see that God is faithful to provide for us and God is faithful to give us what we need, the boldness that we need and the knowledge that we need to do this. But when it comes to sharing the gospel, understand you are commanded to do it. You are able to do it. You have something that other people need, so make it a priority and evangelize. Go into all the world. That doesn't mean you have to cross the ocean because there's plenty of people in your world currently that need the gospel. You have the tool necessary. God's Word. Now take it, share it with people, and ask God to give you the fruit. Ask God to to, to change lives. Ask God to, uh, to, to convict people of their need for salvation. And keep praying until God answers. Lord, we pray for your help because at the end of the day, the gospel is nothing without you. God, I pray that you'd help us open our eyes to the great need that is around us. Open our eyes to the opportunities that that are right in front of us that we've missed. God, break down the barriers in our lives, the the doubt that Satan has given us, the, uh, the fear Lord, break down those barriers so that we can freely and openly love people and obey you in sharing the gospel with them. Help us with the relationships that we have, whether it be family members, 
co-workers or neighbors that we know well, some that we see every day. <clears throat> and God, help us to be faithful in word and action to present the gospel and in prayer to watch you do your work in people's lives. God, we pray for what the Bible would call fruit. We pray that we would see um, as a result of our obedience and faithfulness, your faithfulness in seeing people saved. And Lord, ultimately seeing them not just saved, but grow in relationship with you and go on to serve you in whatever way you have for them. God, I pray that today specifically you'd help us. If we've been saved, Lord, we've been commanded to go. And again, I believe we would all say we could do more. So, Lord, I, help, I pray that you'd help us to do more with the gospel. Lord, help us to be, uh, understand that we are commanded and that we are able and that we've got something that people need. So, Lord, prioritize it in our lives. Help us to make it a priority that we share the gospel more with those around us. Lord, I pray for those that we're going to share the gospel with. The holiday time, we see family members. So, God, I pray that even now you'd begin working in their lives. And, Lord, I pray that you'd help us to be faithful. Uh, I pray that for our co-workers that need to be saved. And, Lord, that you'd help the seeds that we've already planted and the seeds that we will plant with the gospel. Lord, I pray that they'd take root. And, God, I pray that you would uh, grow your church through the gospel. Lord, help us to be faithful and obedient in doing what you've told us to do and what you've prepared us to do. And God, we'll give you all the praise and the honor for it. We pray this in Jesus' precious name. Amen. Be faithful with the gospel this week.